All right, y'all, what's happening? What's going on? How y'all feeling? How's it going in your neighborhood? Are you okay? It's okay not to be okay. Let me tell you that part. Let's start there, right? Because I don't know how you feel, but I feel like we need to be kinder to ourselves. You know, CJ here, and this is the son of black and brown. Bear with me here while I unpack this because I don't know about you, but I am still hoping people will look into the story of Dr. Antoinette Candia Bailey, right? It's a very important story to consider um, for many, many, many reasons, but some as old as slavery. I've, I've talked about this all week um, with the hope that, you know, the message is sent, black and brown women matter. Our feelings matter, our thoughts matter, our presence matters, we matter, our mental wellness matters, our you know contributions matter, we matter. But somehow, as we move up the corporate ladder, as I shared on the last podcast, you know, that gets lost somewhere. Somewhere in the trajectory, you know, as we move up and we're telling ourselves, you know, I just put up with all this horse shit in life so that I could move up the corporate ladder, so that I could attain this dream, so that I could be all I can be. You know, these are the things that we tell ourselves, even though we're broken. Today's episode is titled Broken's Crayon Still Color. Because whether or not most of us would like to admit this fact, a lot of black and brown women are inherently broken due to the tragedies, the trauma, all of it passed down from our ancestors. Let me tell you something. It was only 150-ish years ago, let's just say 200 to be polite, that we were all enslaved, meaning us who are not uh, with privilege at the time white, us um, who were the target of the oppression 200 years ago. So I want you to put that in perspective. Slavery did not, quote, end in the formal way it's acknowledged. That's how I prefer to say it. Because it did it really, right? So let's just say on the books, we said, okay, okay, um, you know, we're going to free all the slaves. That's not the end of the story. Because as I've shared before, in truth and in fact, the plantation never went away. It just changed. It became a jail. It became jobs. It became even parts of the movement, right? Now, one might be asking, why does the story of a white Jewish news anchor, Christine Chubbuck, matter? Why does it matter? Why does her story matter? We're talking about Dr. Bailey, but why does that matter? And I'll tell you why. Because work-related stress is a real thing, and it is more often than not experienced by Black and brown women, where it goes completely unnoticed. And what I like about the 2017 Sundance film about Ms. Chobuk, the late Ms. Chobuk, was to me, in my view, it really highlighted how easily the stress from work transfers across, especially when people treat you and see you as if 
you have nothing else to offer besides coming to work every day, right? Now, let me, for those who don't know who the hell I'm talking about, let me back it up. And for those who just got offended, you might want to tune out now. This conversation is not for you. I never said I was going to do a show or a podcast where I make mediocre white people feel good about themselves. This is not the place for that. This is the place where black and brown people talk about certain things and we unpack it and we're documenting it and we're saying how we feel, right? This show is not um, scripted in any way, shape or form. The most I would do just for anyone who's curious, if you're curious into um, being on the show, let's talk about it. Email me, blackbrownunited at gmail.com. Let's have a conversation, right? Um, I'm saying all that to say because nothing here is scripted. You know, I don't send you a script. I don't say, well, you know, um, I'm having a show. Can you come on? And you know, do all that stuff in that way and give you a script and say, okay, I only need you to talk about this. Full transparency. The only time that may come up is if, say, in conversation, say you're a guest of mine on this here, um, and, you know, you either ask or, you know, you say, hey, I would love to be on, but here's the thing, you know, because it happens, right? And I'm saying this very specifically because sometimes, as in the case with Dr. Bailey, right, you wanna you wanna let people know what's going on in your life. You want them to know that I'm not being treated well, that I'm not being respected, that I'm not, you know, I'm not being seen as someone who brings value to this work. Okay. So in doing this pod, I felt it was really necessary for folks to realize I'm not here to judge you. I never say, and I'll say this over and over. I, I'm sorry if I forgot to say it last night. Don't come for me. Um, but, but there's no requirement for us to agree. Let's not get confused here, right? I have the mindset that some of the best ideas you'll ever find come within this agreement. If we all agreed on everything, what would we change? And actually, that is the reason why, that's the reason why we have some of the problems we have now. Because you see, most of us, I won't say all and insult the people with good sense, most of us bought into the mediocre whiteness. We bought into the nine to five. We bought into the working through lunch. We bought into, well, you speak when you're spoken to. In fact, we even bought into not even saying good morning no more. No, hold on, wait a minute. Let me put some melanin in it. I ain't going to shame to tell you. I grew up in the islands. You hear the accent coming on full stream, unfiltered, right? I'm not going to change me because you don't want to understand me. I gave up on that many, many moons ago. Life led me there, right? Disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. But this is not about me. I'm just sharing about me. So you could hear from someone who's still here, a Black woman who's still here, what? It is like a glimpse, at least, to be a black or brown woman in a space where you're one of you, okay? I spoke about this on the last episode, and this actually applies to all black and brown people, but specifically to black and brown women. Not all of us have these difficulties. Let me back it up for some of them who probably saying, well, I don't understand what she's talking about. Every job I work, you know, everybody like me, Everybody good with me. No, because you're good with doing the mediocre white shit. Now, 
this does not become a major thing when you're at the lower level in the company. So let's say we're all working at McDonald's and we're serving food. This is not where the problem, it's a problem, but to where it got with Dr. Bailey, right? Let's put this into context here. That woman worked for years to get into that role. Years. She she doesn't have the level of privilege where she could just show up and say, hey, you know, somebody says, hey, you busy? Come, um, come work over here at Lincoln University. No, no, no. We work hard. We also work hard. And some of us tolerate a lot of disenfranchisement, insults, you know, I mean, gatekeeping, gaslighting. And that's where the story of Christine Chubbuck comes in. So let me go back to our friend, Christine. So for who may not know who Christine Chubbuck was, Christine Chubbuck was a news anchor. I'm not going to say too much, but just enough. So you, I hope you're curious enough. You could go watch the movie. If you have Tubi, there's a movie, Christine. It's about her. It's a very good movie. Um, as sad, but truthful to the great extent it could be, because again, it's past tense based on someone who was experiencing a lot. She was not mentally well. And for those who may say, well, she didn't have to do that. Well, you weren't in her shoes. Sometimes people make decisions in life, not because they didn't know better, but they really didn't have access to anything different. Ooh, what the fuck did I just say? Well, let me let me hold that thought on Christine for a second. I'll get back to Queen. Don't worry. Let me tell you all some. For those who like to critique our black and brown people, and I'm not gonna sit here and say that, you know, some of us could do better. We all could agree. Let's all agree. Everybody raise your hand. All right, good. We agree. However, the part that you all like to not talk about is what I'm driving to. The fact that there are many of us who do great things, okay, that go unnoticed and underscored, right? We're never good enough. We're never, you know, to the satisfaction of whoever decided. No, and I say that because remember, most of y'all still sitting on here listening to the white man's version of religion. I wasn't there when they thought about that. So I, I'm going to give that one, you know, I'm going to stick with my Islam, but I'm happy for you all. I also didn't grow up in this country where mediocre whiteness was used as the main means of controlling the minds. Because you see, in a tale as old as slavery, when whether you're black, brown, pink, purple, a uh, slight shade of yellow, right? When you see the right white person doing the right white thing in the right time on the right wing uh, white media, see, you get tongue-tied saying it. Try saying that fast. I'm telling you, you'll crack up, but it's the truth. When we see those images, we approve of it. That's when we say, okay, that's a good thing to do. Oh, I see so-and-so pushing for that. Oh, I like that white man. He's a good white man. He was on TV a couple of days ago talking about all that crime. You forget that your family, yourself, and those around you are actually in that same damn community that that mediocre white person is politely exploiting, okay? Some of us sit down and we see the gatekeeping and the gaslighting and do nothing. All right, hold that thought. Back to Christine. So here's Christine. Now, in most of the documentaries, I'm going to give you some tidbits about Christine Chubbuck, right? 
you're not going to find the footage of what eventually happened to her, right? You're not going to find. Um, you're not going to see that anywhere. You're not going to see any of that on any station at any time, right? It's not there. The reason why it's not there is because Christine's family chose and I, I would have done the same if I had to make that sad but necessary decision. They chose to ensure that her incident would not reach mainstream. You might find, there might be, I mean, if you, you want to dig into it hard enough, you might find it. What am I talking about? Okay, Christine Chabok was 29 years old at the time of this incident. We're going back in time now. We're going back in time because this is back in, where am I at? I think I'm in the 50s, 60s, I think. But Christine, somewhere in that era, again, don't come for me. I had a long day. Um, let's, let's just say, I want to say, as I close my eyes, I remember the footage. I want to say it was like the mid-70s. Let's say mid-70s, right? So mid-70s, here's Christine Chubbuck. And Christine was attempting to really pioneer her television news reporting career in Florida. And she really, really, really wanted to be like a main anchor and she kept trying but nothing she tried was enough she was never interesting enough her stories didn't draw enough attention she um there was always something somebody decided was not enough hmm. let me let me add to that okay this is just at work, and as just a glimpse, we didn't go into the whole whole thing yet with her at work. Outside of work, Christine did not have a partner. She was introverted. She um, also was mentally unwell. We're talking about the seventies back then. Like, let's be real here. Let's be fair. There was a lot of things that people didn't know about. They didn't know about support services. Nine eighty eight wasn't mainstream yet. But this would be one of the incidents that would lead into that, right? This is a very significant incident that happened to Miss Christine Chubbuck, right? Go look her up, okay? Now, here's Christine's life in a nutshell. Christine gets up in the morning. She had a very routine life. She would go to work. Again, she had these dreams. You know, we're talking about the 70s, so just imagine we have people marching and stuff, women's rights and all this other fun stuff. And here's this woman and she's saying, I could be, I could be a news anchor. I could lead. Why aren't you taking my stories? Now they keep giving her all the other stories that nobody really wanted to do. Right. And she did it and she did it with grace. She took a critique. You know, she wasn't the girl who was known for being cute. She wasn't recognized for her stellar looks. It wasn't anything like that. She just wanted to be. She did her job, but she wanted more. And there's nothing wrong with that. We should want more. You sh unless you, you know, everybody has their choices to make in life. But if you have a career path and you said, okay, here's where I want to go. Here's how I want to do it. Right. And I, I'm going to apologize because I'm having a little um, internet lag here. So I think my sound is a little off. So if that's happening, I do apologize. Not my fault, out of my control, but you know, I'm a black angry immigrant, so I have to explain myself every five seconds. Anywho, just like I just did, that's what Christine started to do. 
She started to realize she was had to validate her thoughts and actions because she felt unsupported. Now, okay, to everyone else, she came across as high strung. She came across as really particular, you know, very dedicated to her job, but more of, you know, more of someone who was a loner, right? She stuck to herself. Um, she did not want to, you know, impose herself. She just really wanted to get that trajectory. She wanted to bloom. We should all want our careers to bloom. All right. Short version of what happens next, because if I go into any more detail, I'm taking away your opportunity to learn about a really great journalist. Again, I'm going to say it again and again and again and again. Mental wellness matters. Black and brown people, I need you all to take your mental wellness seriously. I'm going to cut over to Dr. Um, Bailey now. Again, mental wellness matters. Let's talk about Dr. Bailey and I'll go back to Christine. Here's Dr. Bailey, a black woman in a real high position in a space where she's one of very, very few. So she's sticking out real bad, right? But she still has to show up to her job at Lincoln with a smile on her face, get those reports done, answer those emails, show up to those meetings while being harassed on the job gatecap and gaslit this woman was so well liked in her community the students and the others who knew her right right now they're protesting okay this woman took her life because she kept trying 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 and her white mediocre boss just wouldn't she had anxiety. She had depression. She kept trying and trying and trying. She kept trying to fight that fight, do that work, and still make that impact she dreamed of making. But they'll never let you do it. Instead, and I said this on an episode before, I could relate all too well. See, I know that. And any other black or brown woman would know my experience. Not everybody. Let me take that back. Not all of us know it. None of us, not all of us will know it and experience the extent I have. And those who have not, just because it didn't happen to you, does not mean it did not happen. It just meant it didn't happen to you. As in the case with Dr. Bailey, she felt unsupported, just like Christine. Now, these two incidents, Christine's incident happened back in the 70s, right? Here's Dr. Bailey in 2024, okay? And she commits suicide. Lack of support. Then you say to yourself, well, why didn't she go to somebody? But then ask yourself, where the fuck was she supposed to go? To McDonald's? To Starbucks? Is she supposed to go have a psychiatrist help her? You tell me. Who is she supposed to go to? I'm, I'm really curious to learn from people. At that level of your profession, where do you go when you say, I can't handle it? Where do you go? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because everywhere you go, if you're a VP of a university and you walk into that hospital and somebody sees your intake documents, you see, you can't take those risks. Because remember, you signed on employment that requires you to be of a certain mental capacity. Did you know that? That's the, that's the, what they're presuming, assuming 
um, you know, businesses, when they have you sign, sign away everything, when you do, you know, your intake, you are assuming that, you know, you are mentally able to handle everything that happens here, right? At that point in your um, onboarding, there's no talk, concern, or even a fathom that you'd be stressed out. See, that's not supposed to happen to you. Mm -mm. Oh, I meant the black and brown woman. I wasn't talking to everybody. See, because when we say that we don't, we can't say certain things on a job. Let me, let me say that differently. We can't say certain things. We cannot say that we don't understand. We cannot say that we made a mistake. We cannot send out emails that are not perfect and sparkling or put out stuff that isn't perfect. We're not supposed to have a learning curve. We're not supposed to not know how to do something. We're supposed to know, and when we don't know, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Go with the flow or you gotta go. Go with the flow or you gotta go. Now, let's pretend, you know, that's not what's going on because just because it doesn't happen like that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. In her case, right, here's this woman who had a hell of a career and here she is trying to do her job, but they're gatekeeping her and gaslighting her every step of the way. I could give you my own stories of being in a meeting or being left out of a gathering or, and I shared this on another episode. That's why now, you know, I appreciate and applaud all the protests that are happening, but I'm not going to beg to be part of nobody planning. I shouldn't have to do that. No, 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 no. If you don't respect my work as an activist an activist, an advocate, and as a feminist, a black feminist enough as a Muslim, I could keep going right mm -mm. to say let me include her in the planning and that has happened to me and hence the reason why i kept and it does happen to me it, it you know it's an ongoing thing it doesn't just happen once right and it wasn't just in organizing or advocacy right it's also on the job it happened on the job if i don't hang around with certain people or i choose to keep myself to myself you know or i pick and choose who i interact with that's a problem you know, it's very problematic. Very, very problematic. Now back to Christine. And then we'll get back to the doctor. What would happen with Christine over time? Now, a couple things here. Nobody was really given a flying fuck about Christine. Let me just say it plain. Plain to all. Nobody cared. They saw her as this aggravated white girl who would go challenge her boss for not allowing her to express her ideas or share anything and the truth was as shared by her peers after the fact she actually did have some pretty good ideas but and they even said to her they started telling her maybe you might want to think about other options for yourself because even they started to notice that despite all her great input despite her tenacity despite i mean let's not get confused here christine shelbach was a very intelligent reporter very astute at her work and no matter how well she presented anything, they would never let her have the spotlight. But then around her, other people are getting recognized. Other people are putting up ideas that she's thinking to herself, well, wait a minute, I had something similar. I've been there. That's not a good feeling. When you go and you propose something and then two minutes sometimes later, that one person, how they know the idea and how they execute it. And that's what was happening to her. Not only that, the same isolation. People see the mood, people see the upsetness. And instead of saying, you know, doing a little bit of peer support and saying, well, do you need any help? Do you know, like what's going on? Or 
I don't know, something like advocating for her and telling the manager, well, you know, you know, she really does have great ideas and I can attest to that. See, we don't do stuff like that for each other. We don't. So what will eventually happen as well, Christine will also find out that she had a cyst in her ovaries, right? She had some issues with her ovaries. Um, she was sick and she didn't know when it had gone as far as it had gone to where the doctor told her if she didn't have um, a child within two months because they gave her, I think it was like two or three months the doc gave her, had given her and said, look, we have to do this operation. That's why you're bleeding. That's why you have all these different things because there's even footage where you could see Christine, you know, and you could tell something's wrong. You could see like she's going in and out. Her face is going in and out or like her speech is starting to get kind of weird. But either way, you got the um, idea that, you know, something, something was going on here. She wasn't feeling well. And so instead of helping her, Everybody just kind of like smile and grin, smile and grin. And they had their conversations around her. She became kind of aware, I'd say. I wasn't there, but I'm going to guess it. Because in my own experience, when you could tell when that starts to happen. You could tell when the voices are talking to each other and the decision is being made that you're no longer wanted. Take it from a black immigrant who um, even received text messages about her that weren't nice to her. Yes, somebody was actually busy, so busy gatekeeping me and gaslighting me, they sent me a message meant for another CJ. How you like that? How you like that? And then try to play it off and act like, oh, no, 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 no. Ha, 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 ha. No, no, I know what you were doing. So anyway, back to Christine. With Christine, she gets faced with this whole situation where so now she finds out that she has too much to have a child. Work sucks. Nobody's listening to her. She has no friends. The one man she loves, she could no longer, she can't be with. He's no longer around, right? She's in a different state from where she was at before, okay? So a lot of stuff happening here with our friend Christine, okay? And the creme de la creme is when the big wig at the station comes and he says, he announced that he's going to build a whole new station. I think it was out in Baltimore, somewhere like that. And he allegedly came down to Florida to see if he could scout for possibly um, two people, or actually was one, if I'm not mistaken, who would, you know, um, be part of that new station. Now, Christine had expressed repeatedly that she wanted this move in, you know, in her career and nobody gave her any play. But the person who got the play was, you know, the, the head anchor who everybody adored, who got all the opportunities, who was not a woman. Mm. Mm hmm. Who was not a woman and who wasn't considered socially awkward and who didn't have to work as hard just to get the two minutes of airtime. Christine was shocked. She couldn't believe it. I mean, having this opportunity was the only thing she had been telling everybody around her, right? What the hell? What the hell? No. What would happen is Christine would then, in her own way, come to terms with her life. And I say that because you got to understand what happens in these situations with work-related stress, with harassment, with bullying. Let me talk about me now, right? Let me give you a slice of my pie and see if you like to eat it.
How would you feel if you were a single working mother and you spent some of your time doing advocacy and being, you know, doing this work of advocating for others, activism? And I don't just do one thing. Marching is probably the the least strenuous of it all. I do things, I create graphics, I, I started this podcast, I have to deal with all the ins and outs of that, like I just explained, sometimes there's audio issues that are beyond my control, I gotta deal with that the best way I can in that moment. I didn't even start talking about home and working kids yet. Um, and I had a very, very similar experience to Christine and also to the late um, Dr. Bailey right? Late Christine Sherbrooke and the late Dr. Bailey. Why? Because in the midst of all the other things I had happening in my life, I also had to deal with workplace bullying. I had to deal with being let go. Imagine that. Imagine working at an agency that says they care about people, but let you go right when COVID starts. How would you feel? It happened to me. Or how about when, um, you know, how about when Things like, I'm trying to word this, give me a second. I got to word this the way I want it to sound. You know, you're trying your hardest. You're doing everything you're supposed to, you think you're supposed to do. But then nothing you do seems to work. You send a report, something wrong with it. Um, this isn't done in time. You're being asked to stay over. All your work is being critiqued and looked at with a microscope. And then you're being told that, you know, or it's being put forward that your work is so bad. And then you find out that, wait a minute, which is what happened to me. After all these months of being terrorized by my supervisor, I actually accidentally found out that all these other people in my department, the young kids who she had decided to be BFFs with, um, their work was not exactly on par. But yet here I was, the immigrant, the black immigrant, Muslim woman, being critiqued, being, you know, treated like if I was a village idiot and totally incapable. I was being shamed on the job. I was being gaslit, right? And this would not be the first time in my career I'd have to deal with this. And I'm purposely saying that because A, I'm not the only one. Let's just say that part real loud and put it in bold caps. I'm not the only one. Let's not get confused and think because CJ's sharing her experience. It's about her. No, trust me. I've had enough disappointment and having to rely on my life, myself for my life, enough to know. It, I know that, right? I don't need you all to come run in feeling sorry for me. I don't need that. I'm sharing my experience so you understand, hopefully, that this is a problem. And while I'm sharing my experience, it does not mean that I, I don't wish that I couldn't share others, but you want to know why other people, and probably this also happened to Dr. Bailey, you want to know why people like Dr. Bailey and, and, and Christine Chubb, those type, you know, women like that don't say anything because nobody listens. Because when we say something, whatever you'll think or whoever you'll think we are, that comes in front. Perfect example is Christine Chabuk. People saw her as being, you know, um, real paranoid about her work. She was very particular. Yeah, she's detail-oriented. She works a lot. But they weren't paying attention to the signals. Why was she so amped up about her work? Why would she sit there and, you know, as I started telling you all in the beginning, I don't script anything. I write a couple notes like I, I do. I do that part. Let me be real. I have to write the notes so y'all could know what the hell the episode is about. But I base what I'm saying off of whatever I write there, 
right? Folks who come on, it's the same thing. They come with whatever they got. I don't tell people that they can't cuss. This is a cussing-friendly show. Shit. I just say to the people who like to press judgment, you know, how about you clutch your pearls and bear with it and actually listen to what other people have to say for two minutes, okay? Now, I say that to say, um, Christine's story is really a good indicator of what I just described. Because, you see, on the outside, she seemed to be the awkward white girl who had no friends and was just socially awkward. So she got that label. So when she would express her dissatisfaction with not being treated fairly, it was treated and handled in that way. And I could definitely relate to that because at the job that I was at, that's exactly what happened to me. I got, you know, labeled as the activist who is rebellious. She doesn't listen. And, you know, she does nothing, which was not true. If anything, I ended up having to do twice as much work as everybody else um, most times, right? While other people just got to sit there and stare at one thing, I had to do this report, do that report, plus this, plus that. My work was never right. And that was because the person's supervising me would conveniently decide at the very last minute, you know, um, oh, yeah, no, this needs to be there. Some real dumb shit to make me look like an ass, right? After you gave me one direction and I explain and I ask questions, this is what privileged people do. They love to gaslight. They can't help themselves. And they do it in a very manipulative but carefully planned way. It's not just manipulative. You got to add some more adjectives there. Pick some and throw them in there. Because they do spend the time, instead of saying, well, maybe I should cut my shit out and do my part and stop being a dick, instead they try to make it look like an ass. So, for example, if you don't do what, you, what they say, say they want to do something on the job, they want to put up something, and you say, no, that won't work because it doesn't benefit everybody, now you're a problem. When you become the problem, they do dumb shit like call on you in meetings or pick parts of what you said or did to highlight negatively. Trust it. And if they're at that level of leadership, oh, God, that's where it gets even better. If you're at the lower end and they're at the upper end, right, which is another thing I could definitely relate to, right? The big wigs go and they have their little conversations and the a-hole who's causing all the drama, trust me, they pick what they say about you real careful. Well, CJ's a good employee, but you know, you know, she's that activist and I feel like that goes, that's the line that starts with me and I know this as a fact. Don't, don't even try to tell me otherwise. People decide who and what I am before I do anything because that's how it goes in these settings, right? When the gaslighting starts, don't think it just ends. It goes everywhere. If you're if you're to that level of a perceived issue, which is what going to Dr. Bailey, which is what she was probably experiencing because she knew no matter which way she went, they would try to take her down. That lady didn't take her life because of any other reason that she didn't see any other way out. Nobody cared about her anxiety, just like Christina Chubbuck. Nobody cared about her depression, just like Christina Chubbuck. Nobody cared. They just saw a woman, as in both cases, who was doing this work and sometimes could be a little bit too much. <laughs> and I didn't even charge the racist piece about that whole thing with Dr. Bailey yet. We didn't even get there yet. That has its own place. Don't get confused. Do not get confused. How do you think when you work in a place or space or you're part of a program, 
right? And this is something that cracks me up all the time. It really does. Let me tell you what cracks me up. It cracks me up when I see people saying that they care about black and brown lives, right? But then when you listen or pay attention or know of how they treat the people around them, it's a hell of a thing. I've actually seen that. I've shared this before in the movement here locally. Here I was trying to do the best that I can. They keep trying to keep me. Oh, she's so temperamental. She's so angry. Don't get CJ involved. She likes to do this. A bunch of shit I didn't even know I was doing. Okay, that's number one. So I'm not supposed to have an opinion. I'm not supposed to share the opinion. And apparently I'm supposed to just be, right? That was the message from a bunch of activists. The same people will turn around and yell about how they care about this and care about that. And then you wonder why nobody fucking with you. And then you wonder why communities don't get involved in certain actions. Because if they could see the hypocrisy, if it looks like hypocrisy and it moves like hypocrisy, it's the same thing with government. Why do you think so many people aren't voting? It's not because people, for all who like to recite to us, oh, you have to vote, you have to vote. First of all, I, I'm pretty sure if our friends Fannie Mae, <laughs> Shirley, <laughs> Medgar Evers, do I need to go on? You think if they saw what we're doing with our power to vote, they would be happy about that? Do you really think so? You think that's why Fred Hampton died? And was killed you think this is that's what um you know people know no that's not how it goes not at all right when people see certain things they may not tell you which in this case people saw certain things with dr baby bailey's people saw certain things with christine chubbuck and they did nothing Nada. Zip. Zelch. Zero. Why do we like to see women in pain like that? But this is why, as I said previously, right? We need to think about these cases, especially when we think about peer support. What is that? I want you all to think about that. What does peer support mean to you? What does it look like? I've gave you hints. I've given you a bunch of hints. I think it's very necessary, especially when people, as in the case with Dr. Bailey, get to a certain level in their career. They need to have somewhere they could actually find support because most black and brown people don't rely on their HR because they feel like if I go tell HR, I'm going to get a clap back. These are all ramifications of slavery. I don't just say those things because I'm trying to aggravate people. I'm saying it because in my view, that's what I see. And when you could help me change my view, I'd appreciate it. Okay? Why have a whole department you call HR that really operates for the sake of the agency? That's what most people feel. Why do you think most agencies, you know, Especially now, and when I say it and say I'm referring to the nonprofits, and I'm going to take it up a notch. I'm referring directly to 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 uh, Connecticut, right? Right now in Connecticut, many nonprofits are having to make some difficult decisions. I'm pretty sure, like nonprofits across the United States, because they're staff, they're having staffing issues. People aren't staying around long enough to put up with the shit no more. That's what that is. When they see you treating them like shit, now they leave. You can thank Uber, Lyft, and all these other jobs that popped up that, you know, out of COVID, 
right? That really help people figure out ways to support themselves in good ways, right? And what that meant was, yeah, I might have to work eight hours, but I'd rather work eight happy hours and get paid for that than work eight miserable ass hours, have a half hour lunch, and hate myself after work. You cannot sit there and treat people like shit on a job. You're scolding them. You're not giving them any like support. You're not allowing them to make mistakes. That's another thing. People make mistakes. And, and it's usually the ones who make the most mistakes who call out everybody else's quick, fast in a hurry, first line of defense. Well, I did this because little, little, little. But you're not going to talk about, yeah, those are the best gatekeepers and gaslighters, actually. The ones who, you know, they want to protect their space by any means necessary. Think about that. If Ms. Chubbuck and Dr. Bailey had peer support, I dare say, maybe they may still be here. If Dr. Bailey felt confident enough that she could find peer support within her community, that she could be around, you know, um, a group of people who will let her safely discuss what is on her mind, what is affecting her, help her find and figure out ways to support herself, I dare say this would be a different conversation. You don't just pick up and take your life because you was bored, man. Did something happen before that? There were conversations, some with others and some with yourself, that led there. One of those conversations would have been, why am I here? Nobody cares. And then you start to believe it. You see? It didn't come out of nowhere. It did not fucking come out of nowhere. It came out of somewhere. Now, you might be saying, how could you help with peer support? Well, first, go look it up, figure out what it is, and practice it. You know what peer support looks like for, for all those who like to make simple things complicated? I don't know, having manners, saying things like good morning. I don't know, saying things like, hey, can I help you with that? Or politely telling someone, oh, I think you meant to put the document in that email. You don't have to be an asshole all the time. You don't have to send a strongly worded email. right? I save those from when I'm calling out legislators and lawmakers. I put them in power to do that so they better handle it. Okay, and yes, I do apply um, pressure and, and, you know, send my letters and I call out legislators. I'm, I'm going to own that and lawmakers and those who have decision-making capacities because they need to when they're fucking up. When they're fucking up and they don't care, right? When they're fucking up and they don't care and they don't care how their fuck up affects other people. Real talk. And that happens. That happens. Christine Chubbuck walked into work and found out that the person who claimed to be her friend was going to get the job that she had been praying for. The one thing that she felt that I just put up all this shit, I just dealt with all of this sexism and all the other isms that applied. And you know what that woman did? Let me tell you what she did if you didn't know. So Christine finally gets her opportunity. She started to get quiet. Okay? And so people didn't, again, when they cast in that box of, I don't give a fuck, when, you, when you're silent, they don't care. Okay? If someone gets silent on you, that's where you could actually provide some peer support. and say, You know, it could be simple. You could send them a text. You could send them an emoji that says, how are you doing? Or not even that, here's an air hug for you. 
That's peer support, believe it or not. You don't need to know what's going on to provide this support. A smile is support. Um, you know, being kind is support. Opening that door is support. Saying, hey, you know what? That report I was hounding you for, we actually get an extension. You could, you know, let's let's look at it together. Let me see how I could help you. That's support. Okay? That is support. Not scolding, not gaslighting, not isolating, not making a mockery of, not having private discussions about. So Christine had gotten tired and she got quiet and nobody noticed. So she had finally gotten the opportunity. And like I just said, when people decide to take that take it that far. Now, for those of us who are aware of self-harm, harm reduction is, is a thing we need to really, really, really start talking about. Because people harm themselves in some real interesting ways. Having sex with multiple strangers, that's harm to self. Okay? Overeating. That's harm to self. You see, we get confused and we hear the term harm reduction, put it in a bucket and decided anybody who's dealing with harm reduction has to be on drugs. You know, hurting yourself. That's harm. We could, we could reduce that. There's different facets to harm reduction. My point is that we need to start having these conversations, especially in the black and brown communities. Okay? Now back to our friend Christine. She finally gets her moment to shine. She finally gets to be on air for the first time. It was a weekend segment. And she was not, um, what was ironic, nobody kind of picked up on the fact that she finally got in that moment to shine. After having a big blow up with her boss, nobody seemed to care about, oh, let's say congratulations and celebrate. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Also, um... Others around her were quite aware about her not getting that job at the other news station. And everybody kept smiling and ha 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 And she knew. What did I say just now? We know when you're all thinking and talking. You could tell the body language. Energy speaks its own language. Right? So Christine goes on air and she does... Now, mind you, let me rewind it. Remember, this is a woman who is single. She has no kids. She just found out she has two, me two months to have a child, two or three months. She just found out that after months and months of trying and, and you know, putting on her best foot, trying to be creative, taking the critique, taking, you know, all that came with being shut out and not being the chosen one, she finds out that Here's a good-looking white guy, mediocre white guy who's going to get it. And he's even going to get his cute little friend who works also anchors with him to go with him. Christine does the morning segment. And then they say to her, well, one of the clips from the story, the story she was about to read, wasn't working. So just imagine how that felt. Everything you tried fails. That was just the icing on the cake. She continued to read what they thought was the script for the day. What it was was actually her suicide note. And then she shot herself on live TV. Hence the reason why I said her parents did a very good job of making sure nobody could reuse that footage. I don't blame them. She would be one of the first, if not the first, because that is still being disputed by some, to be the first person 
person and woman to do something like that on live national TV. To me, that's a walking, talking sign of why mental wellness matters. Let's go back to Dr. Bailey. Here's Dr. Bailey, another pioneer, another one. But she's having all these issues because I was following the story because it didn't just start. It was going on for a minute. It was going on for a minute. And even though she was successful at getting her story in the press, nobody cared. Just like Christine, nobody cared when she got quiet. Nobody cared when she said, when Dr. Bailey said, this is really overwhelmingly. It didn't, it didn't matter. Because you see, let me, let me talk from experience again. You see, when we say we have a stomach ache or a headache or any ache, anything with that ache or something or we sound like something, we're making up excuses now, you see. Mm -hmm. We're making up excuses. We're supposed to be resilient, remember. Don't forget what the slave masters did to the female slaves, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was nothing to them to, you know, gaslight, gatekeep, embarrass, shame a female slave. That was punishment. You didn't do what master want. We go on shame the shit out of you. Burn cigarettes in your skin, starve you. That's another thing. Slave masters, you pissed them off. They're taking your food, boy. Mm-hmm. Why do you think you should make a big deal out of it when you find out businesses aren't letting their employees have a lunch break? That's why. That's why. That's why. Okay? Because only people who feel they have the power to do that, do stuff like that. Is that what you really want? Uh, I mean, is this what we want to represent our communities and our, you know, our history? Right? I think that we should realize while it's true that broken crayons still color, could we at least make it so those crayons could actually keep going? Let's not just talk about these things and say all these words like diversity, equity, they sound nice. And then find ways to whitewash it. Let's recognize why representation matters. Dr. Bailey being in that role is huge. Huge for many, many, many reasons. I said it before, I'll say it again. I unfortunately, unfortunately, can relate to both women's experiences too well. Sadly. But luckily, by whatever grace or whoever, Allah has to be involved. I'm here. And I'll also tell you, there were days when I felt like them because it happens. Because it seems like it never ends. It feels like it's going on and on and on and on and on. And just like them, when you feel like you have nowhere to go, you start to wonder, how do I heal? Well, there's your reasoning as to why some people stick needles in their arms, as to why some people do things like deal with relationships and other things that are below them or sometimes they take out what's happening to them on other people or what happened to them so i want you all to think about that and start simple you could be providing peer support send that text to that friend that you hadn't heard from in a few months it's simple how you doing how was your day you don't need to know their whole life story no, give somebody a hug sometimes. Let's be nice to each other. 
Take a friend out to lunch for no reason. Go have breakfast with somebody for no reason. Do those things. Do those things. We need it, especially now. And we do need peer support. We do need it, right? We're not going to get anywhere. And we should know that we need it because you know who showed us why peer support matters? There's actually a couple of them, if you're willing to look them up, right? Harriet Tubman. How far do you think Harriet would have gotten if she did not herself have peer support or give peer support? Would Rosa been able to have made the impact she made? The answers are no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Right? I mean, I could go on for days. Peer support is part of our culture. Or again, let me remind my black and brown peers. Slavery only ended about 200 years ago. Don't, don't get confused here. It's not that long ago. So you have to put into context, right, what that means. It means that the, the ramifications, the, the associated feelings, the traumas are still here. And we could see that if we look again with a different eye at all that's going on around us. Dr. Antoinette Bailey, should not have had to feel like she was unsupported. The woman was begging to be an FMLE. I've been there too. Because let me tell you something. Don't get confused, you know. They talk about all these different things to support you. That doesn't mean you get access to it. You have to give them a case when you're black or brown. You have to, you know, prove. You know, you have to really show it. I remember working at a retail store back when I first migrated. And I had a kidney stone. And actually, I was bleeding so much, it was coming down my pants. And my boss, the, the guy who was supervising the shift, still didn't let me go. He said we needed somebody on the clock. Mm -hmm. That happened right here in Connecticut. Don't think it doesn't happen. Ask yourself why you aren't looking at it. Ask yourself why is it still happening? Even if it didn't happen to you, even if it hasn't happened when you know, why is it happening? And what can you do? To make it better. And you can. But we cannot do it. If it's not addressed. You all need to keep saying her name man. Say her name. Say her name. Say her name. Dr. Antoinette Candia Bailey. Say her name. She mattered. She was important. Okay. She mattered. Black and brown women matter. Even though they're treated... They're like the lowest on the social pole. Believe that. You know, a few years ago, it was discovered that the, I forget her name now, it's been a while, the woman who was leading the NAACP and getting all these accolades and everything else was actually white. You know, she decided that she was white by some random association that I ain't even gonna waste my good brain matter to, to logicize. The point I'm trying to make is, you know, there are people like that who do that, you know. They have a lesser um, relative or connection with the diaspora, but they still need to exert their privilege by making it about them. We can't even have our own space, literally. Okay? Being a black or brown woman, it is a badge of honor. It is. But don't think that it doesn't come with its share of oppression. 
Don't think it doesn't come with a share of judgment. Don't think it doesn't come with anything negative at all. It does. It does. It really, really, really does. Right. All right, folks, before we tune out, I hope you all could stay on for a moment of silence for Palestine. Oh Allah, rectify the affairs of Palestine and of all of our affairs. Oh Allah, rectify the affairs of the Muslim in Palestine and the people here and now and across the world and in every place and space. Oh Allah, grant us the grace and the humility to be kind to each other, starting with ourselves. I mean, let me tell you all something. We can't do what we do without you all. I can't thank you all enough. I could never thank you all enough for your continued support through all the tech issues, through all the blood pressure raising politics. I really, really appreciate it. We all do here at Black and Brown United in Action. And if nobody told you, and maybe they, you didn't hear it for the day, or they forgot to tell you, let me remind you, you are amazing. You are. I'm not going to say every day is going to be great, but what I will tell you, every setback, as we say in Islam, is a setup. And it might take a little bit to get on your feet. All right? Peer support starts with you. Look in the mirror and be kind to you. You can't take back what happened already, but what you could do is look forward and change how it goes. That's all for today. Please continue to like, share, and subscribe. That's all for now. Fist up, smile on. We'll be back again soon. Peace, CJ.